sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. And shall we ask the reign of the Holy Spirit to fall on us? Shall we ask the Lord to touch us that this will not just be a social gathering for unto him shall the gathering of the people be and no flesh shall glory in his presence. We pray that our spirits will be quickened. I want you to speak to God personally. I want you to open your heart to him personally. I want you to ask him to let the Holy Spirit open your heart. Like he opened the heart of Lydia in the book of Acts to receive his word. I want you to pray with meaning and to mean what you say. I want you to ask the Lord to break every stronghold and limitation over your life. And to release you in this place. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. We take authority over every foul spirit. We take authority over every spirit that rises up against the word of God. Every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, we pull down. We take authority over every spirit that is contrary to the spirit of God. We ask for a fresh anointing, a new anointing, a wholesome anointing. We ask, oh God, that you fill this vessel. Let your will be done. Not the will of any man, but the will of God. Oh, let the word of God penetrate. Let the word of God fall on good soil. Let the word of God change our lives. Let miracles occur tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will cleanse this vessel. And you will anoint this vessel. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill me. I pray that you will be all about me. I pray that you will be upon me for the sake of your children. I pray that the anointing that breaks the yoke shall be present here. I pray, O oh God, that the presence of God will fill this place. Have your way, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. I'm surprised to be in London at this time of the year. But this is what God can do. Hallelujah. And I thank my husband for releasing me. For releasing me into ministry and releasing me to be here. Amen. Yesterday when I spoke to him, he said, so you are coming on Wednesday, aren't you? And then I said, no, I'm going to Trinidad. Ah, yeah, it's true. So that takes you to another week. But the Lord is gracious. Amen. It's often the other way around. You know, but this time the shoe is on the other foot. And the Lord is giving grace. Amen. I want to salute your very able Gio. And his wife, and all the geos from the various dioceses, I want to salute you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank God for the unique relationships that he has blessed us with, and also for blessing us with genuine relationships. It's not something that's easy to come by. Amen. And uh, most relationships are phony. 
But I believe that God has actually blessed us with real and deep relationships. And we thank God for your lives. Amen. Uh, many people ask me, even in Ghana, that how come you have such a deep relationship with your pastors and their wives? Once I went to a church, they asked me, is it real? You know, I was accompanied by 15 lady pastors on their own. Is it, so the, my, the pastor's wife asked me aside, is it real? I said, it's real. She said, so how do you get them to come along with you? Like that? I said, I don't know. It's just the mercy of God. Said, eh. So the relationships are real. I said, it's real. It's just a blessing from the Lord. Hallelujah. So thank you for standing with us. And thank you for standing with the bishop all these years. And wasn't that some opening? That was really, really wonderful. We can sense that we are in the UK. Amen. I also bring you greetings from Switzerland, where Jesus is alive and well. We just finished our convention there, and our theme was, you see me, I see you. And the Lord was gracious, hallelujah. I believe that the DVDs and the messages will be out soon. So, it's true you invest in um, cosmetics, Mary Kay, different things. But please invest in things that also don't perish. Hallelujah. Have you not noticed that no matter how much face powder you put on, things don't really... <laughs> uh, this evening, I am going to be brief because we have a number of things lined up. Hallelujah. And I want to speak to you about daughter beyond your dreams. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Reading from verse 22. I want to welcome all of you to this year's Daughter You Can Make It. Especially the sisters from Switzerland. Who are the first time attending a daughter outside their diocese. <laughs> and our sisters from Hamburg too. And Zambia. And Kumasi. Amen. Nowadays, when you are from Kumasi, you are a Kumasiano. So I welcome all the Kumasianos. Amen. Luke 2, 22. And when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took, him, took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. And had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 
And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Now, why have we read all these verses? The Bible says that when Jesus was born, after eight days, his parents brought him to the temple after the time of purification to offer him up as a male child to God as a sacrifice. And when they did that, they brought two pigeons and two turtle doves. Most of us, when we are dedicating our children, we give nothing to the Lord. But in the Old Testament time, you couldn't come and offer your child before God in thanksgiving without bringing a gift. Amen. And at at the time that the couple entered the temple with their child, a man called Simeon, the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. And he, he happened to enter the temple at that very time. And he spoke about the destiny, the purpose, and the mission of Jesus. And even told the parents what type of child Jesus Christ was going to be. And the Bible says that they marveled. It was their own child. But they marveled about the things that had been said concerning the child. Now, we would think that a man called Simeon, who had prayed that he wouldn't see death till he had seen the Messiah. And when he saw the Messiah, he said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. For mine eyes have seen the salvation which thou hast prepared. It's like, now the reason why I've been living has been fulfilled, Lord. It's time to take me up to heaven. And one would have thought that with Simeon being so anointed, being a man, having spoken about things concerning Jesus, and everybody being surprised, a widow like Anna would not have a place in the destiny of Jesus. She would not have anything to say. And if Anna were like you and I, she would have said, Simeon has said everything. So as the Holy Spirit is coming upon me to go into the temple or to go and meet the child, I'm not going to do it because Simeon has said everything. But that is a carnal and a secular way of looking at things. For instance, when there's a revelation in the Bible, it is not like a scientific revelation where you say, oh, the cure for AIDS was discovered by this person. So you cannot discover it again. The Bible is not like that. Amen. The Bible is a book of life. And Paul said that to repeat anything to you is not erroneous. Now the Bible says about Anna that when she married, seven years after, her husband died. I believe that Anna had hopes, expectations, dreams, like every woman. And She had carefully chosen whom to spend the rest of her life with. And like every woman, she had had a dream that she now had her knight in shining armor. She would have seven children. Some of you, you even have names for the children when they come. I remember being a great fan of Mills and Boone books. And thinking that when I grew up and I got married, I'll have twins. And there will be two girls. And one will be called Marla and the other Carla. (laughs) And how life will all be set out or the way life would run, you know, like an oil. But suddenly, her dream was crushed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Suddenly, I don't think that it came by notice. And many times when we know something that would happen, we would do everything to take an insurance policy against that thing. And we are so programmed against disaster that we take a policy for everything, from fire to flood to motor insurance to life, to life insurance, life policy, name it. We have secured ourselves against that. 
Now, as I, as I was thinking about this and Anna, I realized that I've even as a pastor come across women who have had this experience much earlier. You know, not so many years ago, I worked with a young man to start the primary school. And he was so helpful. He had just finished the university. And the primary school was nothing to write about. It was just Daniela who was in it, and I think a friend's child. And I invited him to come and help me run the school. And he came with all his heart. He loved God. A very spiritual person. And he even taught my children at home. And so I planned many things with him. And I said to him, one day we are going to have a primary school. So why don't we start writing out the curriculum of the primary school before we get there, you know. And he would go to Ministry of Education, get information, come with it. And I used to tell him, you know, he was called Pastor Charles. I said, Pastor Charles, one day this school will be able to provide a car for you, provide good conditions of service for you. One day, you know, you and I, our dream is going to come true. Then one afternoon he came home to teach my children. After that, they played a game of cards. And he became so much a part of me that he would eat and then he would go home. But around that time, he had gotten married. So when I said to him, oh, why don't you have something to eat before you go? Oh, my wife will be waiting and all that. And I said, okay, just eat a little. So he ate a little and then we had an appointment. He said, Sister Mami, so tomorrow at 3 o'clock, the school was on break, but at 3 o'clock, we had a meeting or somewhere to go about the school. So tomorrow at 3 o'clock, I'll come, and then we'll have the meeting, or we'll do whatever there is to do. That was it. I said bye-bye. Now, the next day, around 3 o'clock, I was in my house. And I remember looking at the clock. It was exactly 3 o'clock. And I thought of Pastor Charles, and I thought, um, it's unlike him not to be here at 3 on the dots, but... Um, Maybe he will come, maybe he's changed his mind, maybe because we are on vacation and that passed. Then at six o'clock, I got a call from his newly wedded wife. So about 25 days or something like that. Or three months, something like that. Wailing. Sister Mommy, my husband is dying. My husband is dying. My husband is dying. I said, come on, Irene, your husband is not dying. Your husband will live. How can your husband die? So suddenly he didn't feel well and I can see that he's dying. So I said, where are you? And she said she was in some polyclinic or other. So I got ready. Then I called Bishop, told him, and I, he said he would meet me there. And before I could get there, I got a call that Pastor Charles had died. That has been one of the greatest blows in my life. And for days and weeks, I just kept weeping and weeping, waking up at dawn and just sitting in total darkness and weeping because he was so young. His life held so much promise. He had just gotten married and incidentally, he was very spiritual. So on the day, the eve of his wedding, the night, when we were doing decorations and things with his wife, then he came in into the church when we were about to leave. And I said, what are you doing here as a bridegroom at this time? We're about to leave. The wedding is tomorrow morning. So I've come for an all night. And I said, oh, brother spiritual, what all night? Eh? Today is a different day. Try and go and get ready for your marriage and stop this all night. And so he said, okay, okay, I'll pray for a few minutes and then I'll go. That is something I regret. Because sometimes I look back, I think that, Maybe God wanted him to wait on him for that night before the wedding. Why did I just dismiss him as, oh, you are too spiritual. What? All night, go away. It's something I have asked God for forgiveness for, just in case. I may have missed it. But before I could get there, Pastor Charles had passed on. And then Bishop and Co. went because I'm not very good at seeing dead bodies and Things like that. But the wife was wailing, pulling him up. And incidentally, he was even wearing a shirt I gave him. Pulling him up. Charles, wake up. You must live. And the wife cried. Sister Mommy, I don't think I will ever meet a man like this again. I don't think I will ever marry again. 
ever. Amen. She meant it with all her heart. So we took her to the house and we were nursing her and nurturing her and she would have dreams about Charles and why and it was a very bad experience. But after a while, she started to get healed. And today she's married with children. (laughs) Beyond her dreams. But I'm saying that to say that the heartache was so much. She was so heartbroken. We ourselves were so shattered. We kept asking God so many questions. Why? And if anything at all, why, Pastor Charles? If God had asked me, I would have pointed some of you out. (laughs) But (laughs) Pastor Charles was too holy to die, too righteous to go. And then I started to tell my husband, I said, maybe the good ones are going first. Maybe the good ones are ready. And those of us who have been left here, it is God's mercy so that we will change. Amen. But Anna had lived with this man for seven years. Pastor Charles' wife had lived with him for less than that. And yet it was a very tragic experience for her. Depending on how you look at it, when the marriage is too young, it can also be tragic because it's like if you knew, you wouldn't even have bothered to go through all the motions. You would have stopped somewhere. Now, if you look at seven years too, you would say that you sort of become used to the person. And how do you now retrace your steps to go and live again? And Anna's dream is everybody's dream. And we all secretly pray that some of these tragedies will pass over us. Amen. The Bible says that Anna was a prophetess. Now, in those days, there were very few prophetesses around. These days, there are lots of prophets and prophetesses. But in those days, there were very few. Deborah is one the Bible mentions. There's a Huldah, there's a Noadia, and then Anna. So out of the whole Bible, from Genesis up to this time, Anna is the fourth prophetess that is mentioned. But many of us, when tragedy strikes, it may not be a death, it may not be widowhood, but often with women, it's a disappointment. It's um, a, a, a lack of enthusiasm for life. Your zeal for life goes down. Your energy for things just cools off. Your passion just cools down and with us. And usually... It follows an experience, but you never have the time to sit down and evaluate. How did I get here? Amen. Some of you, you become very, um, should I say, phlegmatic about life. And then we think that the Holy Ghost has really ministered to you. But what has happened is that life and interest in life has left you. Because your dreams have not been realized. A broken heart means that the heart is so broken that it has lost its shape and its form. And it has become something else. And when something is broken, it also leaks. So even the things that are in store, the things that God has put in us, they also leak out and they seep out. But it's not every time that we can even face their reality or even talk about it or even identified. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that Anna, she worshipped the Lord by fasting and prayer day and night. She didn't worship her issues. She didn't worship her tragedies. She didn't worship her disappointment. She worshipped God. Many times people say, we are praying about this. We are believing God for this, but they look miserable. And they keep losing weight. And they keep looking depressed. Why? Because they are actually 
not worshiping God, but worshiping the issue. And the issue has so eaten you up that it has become your idol. It is the issue that controls you. It's the issue that tells you whether to be happy or to be sad. It's the issue that tells you how to behave. But it is an idol. And in First John, it said, my little children, beware of idols. It was writing to believers, not to unbelievers. So idols are not only stones, rivers, uh, uh, creatures, um, balls, what the, crystal balls. and things. Those are idols, but as Christians, we have many idols in our lives. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And many times, you will not willingly take something and make it an idol. But it is an experience that will lead you to look for other gods. Because sometimes you think that the God that you had has disappointed you. And in the house of God, sometimes it's not allowed to be truthful and frank. And it's not allowed to say, I've lost my faith. It's not allowed to say, my faith is going through hard times. But Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you so that your faith may not fail. Because when your faith fails, you are finished. Anything else can fail. But when our faith in God fails, then real failure has set in. Hallelujah. And Peter did not even know his needs. He did not know what his prayer topic should be. It's Jesus who had to pray for him. That he didn't even know that Satan had desired to sift him like wheat. So thank God that we have a high priest who knows the right prayer topics to pray for you. Now one thing too is that one temptation that would have come to Anna would have been to withdraw from where people are. To move into isolation. Because her dreams had not materialized. But she went into the temple and stayed in the temple. A place where she would always meet people. A place where people would always naturally interact with you. And many times when your dreams are shattered, they are your dreams, but is it God's dream? Hallelujah. We are allowed to have our dreams, but within our dreams or above our dreams or beyond our dreams is God's dream. And the way we see things, maybe Anna saw death as, you know, this tragedy. It is a tragedy. But for God, it was a passageway into glory. So our perspective is often not God's perspective. And most of our dreams end here. My husband, my children, candlelight, and I. Hallelujah. We may not own up to it honestly, but in our hearts, we are often on our own minds. The person you think about most is yourself. How will I do this? This is a problem I have. How will I solve this? How will I go? I, 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 till the day ends. Your mind is full of yourself. Hallelujah. And so Anna may have had her own dream that when I marry, then I'll do this. This is how I want my life to become. But God's purpose is often a higher purpose. And it's not always easy to walk the road that God chooses for us. Hallelujah. I have often wondered about the death of Jesus. Why God chose such a method? I don't understand it. I was saying in Switzerland, why didn't he give a lethal injection to Jesus? So that when he just takes it, he just dies. If it's dying that you want, God. Why not? Or put something on his nose and let him breathe it and then he's gone. There are many forms of euthanasia that you can help your son. But first of all, you bring him naked. You nail him to a tree. You allow people to slap him, to spit on him, to say that if you are the son of God, come down from the tree. Many of us would have lost our faith by then. Hallelujah. But... Once I was waiting on God, every Easter I used to think about this thing. Why this way? And when you are crucifying him, you, you crucify him among thieves. Why? When he asks for water, they give him vinegar. I mean, everybody will lose faith in such a God. 
you know. But as I waited on God about it, God said, if Jesus had not died that way, he would not have been able to take your rejection. He would not have been able to take your stripes. He would not have been able to take your shame. He would not have been able to take all. He had to suffer all that. (laughs) Hallelujah. So it wasn't just about dying. But the death had to be in a certain way. And even Jesus, when he came to the crunch, he said that the son of man would be betrayed. The son of man would be rejected by the elders and scribes. The son of man would be crucified. This temple would be destroyed on the third day. When it came to the crunch in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Hallelujah. It's not so easy to say, cup, come, come, come. Even the son of God, he said, let this cup pass. So why do you pretend to be a spiritually mature person? That oh, as for this cup, me, I'm ready to drink it. And I'm going to, as for me, I just want to be like Jesus. And there are times when I also feel, if it is possible, let this cup pass. But Anna did not choose isolation. She decided to relate to people. Now the ministry that Anna was involved in, Fasting and prayer. It is something that you are not noticed for. Many prayer warriors are never thanked. Many prayer warriors are never complimented. But the most important thing was for her to walk in God's purpose and destiny for her life. Let me ask you, what is it that motivates us to do the things we do in the house of God? Often, God takes away our dream so that he will lay bare our motives. And then when we yield our motives also to him, he leads us into his own purpose. Hallelujah. Some of you say, wouldn't she be bored every morning, day day and night, fasting and prayer in the temple? Would she not be bored? What type of life is that? But I believe that whatever God calls you for, he equips you for. Hallelujah. And people who are prayer warriors and pray and intercede, and they are happy with what they do. It is only sometimes you and I look down on them. Or people feel, oh, they are not important. The important people are the ones who stand here and preach. But it is not so. Hallelujah. Now she was also from the tribe of Asher. It is the smallest tribe in Israel. And there had been a prophecy that no prophet shall come from the house of Asher. But the Bible mentions to us that Anna came from that place. I want to say that even when our dreams don't materialize, God is able to lift us beyond that which we think we are able. (laughs) Hallelujah. Her life didn't stop when her husband died. She didn't flee to isolation or self-pity after this great blow in her life. She didn't become a burden on her relatives, which she could easily have become. My husband has died. I can't pull myself together. I can't do anything. I I, I can't rise up again. It's finished. That is it. She didn't become a lonely woman whom life had nothing to offer. These were all options that Anna had. And you and I have all the options. When our dreams, our dreams, inverted commas begin and close. You know, our dreams, when they get shattered, we have so many options to either become isolated, to throw a pity party. You see, when I was young, when my mother beat me, I would cry hard for her to feel bad. And when she wouldn't come around, I'll look in the mirror to see if my eyes are swollen. So that when my father comes, I'll show him that. This is what has gone on in his absence. Amen. But we so wallow in self-pity because that small dream got broken. And when you are busy nursing something, you can never move on to the next stage. Because you are stuck in that place. And Anna could have chosen to be stuck. She didn't become everyone, someone everyone pitied, but no one knew how to help. 
Sometimes you pity people. Oh, this person, it's so sad. It's so, but you can't do anything about it. But Anna, she decided that in spite of my dreams being broken, God has a purpose for me. And I want to tell you, daughter, this evening, lift up your eyes beyond your dreams. See your own dreams as something that may not be your God-given dream. But God may use that dream that you have that has been shattered to be a bridge to the next stage. As a stepping stone to the next stage. So beyond your dreams, there's life. Beyond your dreams, there's purpose. Beyond your dreams, there's strength. Hallelujah. And the Bible says she lived up to 84 years of age. Think of it. In those days, they used to marry very early. If she married at 16, like Jesus' mother was 16, then by 23, her dream was out of the window. And then, for 65 years, she found purpose. She found a reason to live. And she pursued it. Hallelujah. I'm calling on you this evening to lift your eyes higher. I'm calling on you not to wait for experience to teach you that there are higher things in God and in life. I'm calling on you to see that the things that are around us are temporal, but the things that are above are eternal. I'm calling on you to see that when God says that, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, I am a living testimony that that will satisfy you more. And all other things will be added. No sweat, I promise. But we don't believe it. And so we turn the tables and we rather seek our own dream. I want to be Mrs. Whoever Anna wanted to be. I want to wear a wedding gown. And Some of you, your only dream is to wear a wedding gown. But after the wedding gown comes real life. Amen. It's not the gown, it's not the wedding, it's not the ceremony, it's the living, the living. (laughs) Your dreams are too little. Your dream is the wedding ceremony. And the pastor said, and I also said, then I looked into his eyes and he looked into mine and we melted. That cannot be it. Hallelujah. I'm still preaching. (laughs) She wasn't bound in the past because she had a present. Amen. Today somebody called me and said, Lady Pastor, after the Zurich daughter, I just want to move on. But it's not easy to move on. She said, I've made a big poster myself in my office and I've written on it, closure closure. I want to close that chapter. And I want to reach forward for the things that lie ahead. I want to. So I've written closure so that anytime I'm tempted to go back, I will look at that wall and I'll think closure. And I'll close the issues of the past and reach out for what lies ahead. Some of you, you keep looking into the rear view mirror. You cannot drive always looking in the rearview mirror. You have to look into the windscreen. Hallelujah. So that you will see where you are going. You cannot look also in the side mirrors as your guide to go forward. You can just steal a glance and then make a move. But you cannot be guided by those mirrors. Hallelujah. And it takes you to allow the past to die. The past is your dream. Your past is that which, when it passes through fire, it doesn't stand the test of time. But beyond that, God has a beyond. In Jesus' life, God had a beyond. After the death, the shame, the the rejection, there was a resurrection. And there will always be a resurrection in your life. It doesn't matter about the death. It doesn't matter about the tomb. It doesn't matter that a stone was put there. Angels are enough to roll away the stone. And when God says that it's time to come out, it's time to come out. But some of you, Jesus is calling like he called Lazarus, come forth. 
He's calling you, Jane, Mary, come forth. And then you are sitting in the tomb. Refusing to come forth. It took Lazarus' cooperation. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He was dead. He was bound, but he came forth. But some of you, God is performing miracles, but you are not coming forth. You are still bound and bound, and you cannot move out of the past. It's time to move out of the past. The past bitterness, the past offenses, the past discouragement. You see, I know personally that if I'm to just look at the past, I cannot progress. Because in the ministry, I've had my share of betrayal. I've had my share of offenses. I've had my share of heartache. I've had my share of people doing things you don't expect. But if you are going to build your house around that, and if you are going to let your actions be influenced by that, you will never become what God wants you to become. The Bible says that vengeance is mine. I will repay. God says, avenge not yourself, but give place. But some of you, you are standing in the way. You are not giving place to the wrath of God. God can never use you when you continue to live in the past. Apostle Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting. Forgetting is also a virtue. Spiritual amnesia is a virtue. Hallelujah. Forgetting what lies behind. Otherwise, you cannot reach out for what lies ahead. And the Bible has specifically told us, remember not the former things. It's an instruction. The former things that have gone, remember them not. Behold, I do a new thing. But you are not seeing the new thing because you are forever remembering. There's no space in your mind for new things because you are remembering the old things. But the Lord is saying to you, remember not the former things. And if Anna had remembered the former things, she would never have gone ahead to be all that God wanted her to become. She fled to God and dedicated her life to serving him in the temple. She served by fasting and prayer. She gave more attention to God than to herself. When a dream gets shattered, and it's not only one dream, as you go along, an academic dream can be shattered. A marital dream can be shattered. A relationship dream can be shattered. Even your ministry dream can seem shattered. I meet many people in the ministry. Now they're on the back burner. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear. They don't want to smell anything to do with the work of God and even God's people, especially people who are either pastors or pastor's wives. They've suffered some things like um, um, you are a casualty and, and you are not able to recover. So it's okay. This thing, I know it. So when they see that, they say, ah, this is what I used to see. This animal, I know it. And because of that, you are not released to love people. You are not released to minister to people. You are not released to meet people because now your fears and your experiences are keeping you back. But Anna was a widow with a difference. Hallelujah. Why do I say that? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Daughter, beyond your dreams is God's dream. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Ooh, it's warmer. 1 Timothy chapter 5. <laughs> Reading from verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported all that. Verse 11. But the young widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. <laughs> having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And without, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. 
and not only idle, but tactless also, and busy bodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproach, reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Mercy. These are the different widows. And Paul is saying that the young widows refuse. Because after a while, when they have waxed wanton, they will cast off their first faith. So if any widow is under three score years and ten, is it? Three score years and three, three score years and Do not take that person seriously. The person is not a real widow. Because the person will be looking for other things. And Anna, I believe, was a widow be, below three score years. Because seven years after her husband died, and then she lived as a widow for 84 years. So if we had looked at this, maybe Anna would not have qualified. Because the Bible says that oh, the young widows refuse, don't even uh, stomach them. They'll say, oh, sister mommy, I don't see how I'll ever marry again. But after a while, the wax wanton. They will cast off their faith. And then he says something that they will be tactless, busy bodies, speaking things which they ought not to. Why? Because when their dream got shattered, they never found God's dream. So they became idle. They became tactless, busy bodies. Usually you are a busy body when you don't have anything to do. When you don't have any purpose. When you don't have anywhere that you are going. Your dream gets shattered. You never see that dream that God has given you. You never see that superior dream. And the devil will always look for work for idle hands. So Paul is looking in the church. So as for the young widows, don't even bother Timothy about them. Don't tell them I told you, but I'm telling you. <laughs> after they have waxed wanton, after a while, they, they, have, they wax wanton against Christ. Why? Because they feel that Christ has done something wrong to them. Because they feel that Christ did not protect their husbands. That's why they are widows now. So after a while, you see, they may be sorrowing and things for a while, but after a while, you say, ah, but this God, is he worth serving? This God, is he worth following? Then they begin to be offended by Christ. Wax wanting against Christ. Mercy. The young widows. And then after that, they will cast off their first faith. It means there were people of faith before. But after the shattered dream, they will cast off their first faith. Just like Peter, Jesus prayed for him that his faith may not fail. Because when your faith in God fails, then that's it. It's a good prayer topic to pray. Lord, help me so that my faith may not fail. Hallelujah. We are ending, but we are still on the young widows. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. You walk into damnation. Because then you cast off your first faith, your belief, your trust that you had in God. Because things did not work out your way. You see, any relationship that is built on condition is not a worthwhile relationship. If you do this, then I'll also do that. If I have things my way, God, then I'll serve you. But if I get to a place where I don't understand you, I will not serve you. You, you, you bring damnation. We bring damnation unto ourselves when we be, behave like that. And we cast off our first faith. And we learn to be idle. What does idle mean? Doing nothing. Doing nothing. Unoccupied. Okay? Which is what Anna turned away from. She occupied herself fasting and praying, staying in the temple. But these young widows, they learn to be idle. It's also a school you go to. A school of idleness. Amen. Not only idle, but tactless. An edifying talk. Tactless. Gossips. Things that don't matter. I'm dialing our numbers complete. Also, and busy bodies. 
Can you be a busybody? Every time you look, shh, 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 busy. Yeah. When I was young, you know, my mother on Saturday mornings when we wake up and then she's giving us different chores. Then, then she will call me, hey, mommy, what is your duty? So I'm going to do it. Empty, busy. Walking up and down. Empty, busy. And that's what it means to be a busybody. Your busyness does not bring anything. Empty. Empty, busy. May the Lord deliver you from empty busyness. But may you cultivate your relationship with God. When the doors are closed, when there's no one there, when it's just you and your God, may you know him. For the Bible says that the people that know their God, they shall work strong like Anna and do exploits. But when you don't know him, that's why you need to be a busybody to occupy the time and to fill the time with and to be seen as if you are doing something. But in the eyes of God, you are just a busy bo- a body who is busy, moving about, and yet fulfilling nothing. Empty busy. Speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry. He says, I keep them occupied. So thank God you are married. Otherwise, you'll be doing other things. I would therefore that the younger women marry. Bear children. Guide the house. And give no occasion to the devil to speak reproachfully. When you are busy doing something, you take, um, you take opportunity away from the devil. But when you are doing nothing, then you give the devil occasion and people to speak reproachfully about Christ and about the gospel. Hallelujah. So when your dream does not materialize, let God fill it with his purpose for your life. Because your own purpose is not something that will take you far. Daughter, beyond your dreams. Amen. And lastly, it says that for some are already turned aside after Satan. Can it be that just widowhood can bring you to the place where you are turned aside after Satan? Just one bad experience. One broken heart. One relationship that didn't work. One unanswered prayer. One thing that you are waiting for that never seems to come. One weariness, one frustration has led you to turn aside after Satan. Just because one dream did not work does not give you occasion to turn completely and follow Satan. And you should see the progression. You see, they cast off, they become wanting against Christ. They cast off their faith. They bring damnation upon themselves. They become busybodies, tatlers, and all that. And then in the end, they turn after Satan. It's in stages before you get there. And that is where Satan has wanted to bring us all along. But we never saw it. And we've just moved by our emotions and our feelings and our thinkings and our thoughts. And, our, and before we know, we have turned after Satan. Could it be the women in the church that Timothy was pastoring could come to the place where they've turned after Satan? Not because they loved sin, but because when the dream got scrambled, they didn't allow God to lead them on, to bring them into a new place like Anna, where Anna now prophesied about Jesus and said what Jesus was going to be. She played a part in the destiny of the Messiah. And that was only because she lived beyond her own dreams. May you get to the place where you live beyond your own dreams. May the Holy Spirit empower us and quicken us In all the places where we are not able, may he lift us up and bring us into his purpose. So the Bible says that God has called us according to his purpose and his grace. Whatever his purpose, he will give you the grace for. Daughter, beyond your dreams, there's hope. Stand to your feet, please. Amen. We just want to say a prayer. We don't always know what life will present, but we know who holds the future. And he does not want us to live in fear. 
The Lord has said that he will even take care of the fatherless and the widows. It's a special care he has said that he will bring. Yours may not be widowhood. A widow loses a husband, but you too may have lost something. Your zeal, your drive, your love for people, your trust, your faith in things. Maybe all that has dwindled. And God is saying, allow me to lift you up and take you beyond your dreams. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because, lift up your hand and proclaim it to Satan that you will not go after him. But because he lives, we can live beyond our dreams. We can live beyond our expectations, beyond our disappointments. Oh, yes. Holds the future and life is worth the living just because he because he lives for the last time because lift up your weary hands the Lord is renewing your strength He's giving you back your faith. He's giving you a tomorrow. Yes, because he lives. Because he lives. All fear is gone. I command every spirit of fear to leave. Every spirit of insecurity. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, we know. We know he holds the future and he has a purpose for our future. Believe it, receive it. And life is worth the living just because. Again, for the last time, because Christ lives. Oh, yes, Lord, I pray for your people. I pray for a lifting up. I pray for a quickening in the name of Jesus. I pray for grace to leave the past and to reach forward for the things that lie behind. And in every way that Satan has entrapped us, I lose your people. I lose your people to go forth. I pray for your purpose, your purpose. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come, oh God. Your kingdom come, oh God. Oh yes, bring us into your will. It's worth the living just because he lives. Close your eyes, I want to pray with you, Lord. Thank you that because you live, your people can face tomorrow. I pray, oh God, that the hold that the past has on us will be broken. I pray that whatever we have lost, Lord, like Anna, she lost something. We too may have lost many things. We may have lost our hope, our trust, our faith, our energy, our strength, our zeal, our expectation. Whatever loss it may be, oh God, I pray that you will quicken us and quicken our mortal body. And lift us up beyond our dreams that we have not realized. May we embrace your higher dream. May we recognize it. May we see it. And may we give our all to it. I curse every form of idleness. I curse every form of barrenness. I curse every unfruitfulness in our lives. May we not be turned unto Satan. But may we be occupied with the things of God. May we have you on our minds more than we have ourselves on our minds. And may we go forth and fulfill your dream and your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please take your seats. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900.
You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.